0: Right in. Yeah, we're on. Lights, camera, action. Good. Well, hello, friends. I want to thank you very much for joining. Um, I have a special guest with me again today. I think this might be your fourth time you and me talking on camera. This is really cool. Uh, my gentleman uh, uh, guest today is a friend of mine and somebody who's extremely knowledgeable in a lot of areas. But and t- today we're going to talk particularly about. Um, more uh, building on top of what we talked about before about COVID, um, new research, new knowledge. So, I'd like to introduce my friend and my guest, Dr. Luigi Bocuto. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Carl, for the introduction.
1: Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to be back. I always enjoy our conversations.
0: I do too, man. I, one of these days, I've got to get down there and we'll hang out when we have time. and. Mm-hmm. things lighten up a little bit for travel yeah so uh last time we were talking about we talked about covid and this was fairly early on i don't remember exactly when maybe late march early april and you had told us uh you know quite a few things i was just wondering what's been going on since then because now we're what how many months into this pandemic and uh you know the numbers of cases and deaths have Going up everywhere, it seems, with certain states or hot spots. Um, What are you seeing?
1: Yeah, Uh, no, it's really interesting that question because it already tells us what is the perception of this pandemic. How many months are we into this? So perhaps if you ask, you know, uh, someone in the United States, they will answer probably. Three four months because the the real perception you know started late March at the beginning of April. Mm-hmm. Really, let's not forget this is COVID nineteen. So in fact, it all started at the end of past year. So we are already into this for an amount of time that is reaching you know nine ten months. Yeah, uh, we we are not certain about the the very uh, first cases when they all started. It was officially shared with the International community towards November. Uh, the first cases were confirmed later in December, but I'm, there is reason to believe that maybe undiagnosed or uncharacterized cases uh, have already uh, presented themselves earlier in the year in, in China. At least. So, how long we've we been into this? It's, a, it's starting to be a long time. Yeah, and, and uh, definitely has been quite enough time to involve pretty much every single country in the world. So, um, this is uh, remarkable because uh, the definition of pandemics, uh, you know, applies to uh, conditions that are spreading in different areas, uh, different geographic regions, um, definitely different countries. But uh, the reach of COVID-19 is Obviously, unprecedented, considering how fast it touched every single country in the world, even the pretty remote countries, even pretty remote areas. You know, there are um, reports about uh, uh, the, the uh, Easter Island. They had cases there too. Wow! You know, for people who have never been there, I've never been there, for example. I mean, it takes hours to to get there from from mainland. So. It's a pretty isolated uh, area. And there are other isolated areas, you know, in, uh, areas in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemispheres, everywhere, you know, COVID has, has arrived. So that really um, tells us the uh, high rate of uh, contagion that uh, this type of virus implies. And uh, that really tells us that we need a worldwide strategy because this is a worldwide problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it's it's really difficult to um, engineer such a strategy and to coordinate the effort wide right? because uh, unfortunately, um, even if there it has been a lot of effort in researching on COVID, uh, trying to find uh, treatments and uh, developing vaccines, unfortunately, we we don't have a, a medical a counteraction or a medical response to, to COVID that is still applicable to every single case. Right. You know, strategies uh, right now, the, the most efficient, efficient ones, they have been uh, pretty much empirical. So there is a combination of treatment. You know, you want to balance the the cardiorespiratory uh, problems. You want to treat the risk for coagulation. You know, it's it's always a matter of um, Facing one symptom at a time, but we don't have a COVID cure. We don't have a COVID vaccine. So uh, we're not there yet. Hopefully, you know, we will reach that point, but it takes time.
0: It's hard to fathom the magnitude of this. And um, I think you're the person who was sharing with me, and I, I never thought about this, but in the um, pandemic that started in 1918. Um, I seem to remember it took about two years for that to reach around the world, but Mm -hmm. we didn't have commercial airliners back then, right? And Uh now we do. So there you go. I mean, it's a vast difference in how fast we can get around to different countries and spread the germs.
1: Yes. And uh, really, that tells us also how intertwined we are. some activities that really depend on uh, a commercial, you know, an international commercial network. And uh, we have noticed that in the the beginning of this pandemic, when uh, there were some sort of uh, bans for, uh, uh, you know, products coming from China or from the uh, Eastern Asia, and that was affecting the economy in a lot of Western countries. And uh, you know, same things later when some borders were closed. Um, really, that uh, gave us the idea uh, that uh, we are all in this together. But also, the economy has brought us to a globalized level where we can't really, uh, you know, give up on some countries.
0: Yeah, the economic impacts are just so so huge. I don't know what those numbers are, but can't imagine. Um, So when we look at the uh, primary method of, let's say, transferring COVID, um, now, I'll ask you a question, but I'll just say this is what I've heard. And it seems like it has to do with, is it particles as we speak? Maybe cough, sneeze, breathe? Is that where we have to be the most careful? And maybe that's the reason for wearing a mask in case we're a carrier, we don't know it. Um, How does that work?
1: It's it's still a learning process in terms of uh, what type of tissues are um, more heavily affected by the COVID infection. Um, One hint is to look for the um, uh, AC2 receptors, which are the main targets of of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're highly expressed in uh, uh, certain tissues like uh, uh, intestine, uh, kidney or brain. Um, And uh, they're, of course, expressed also in the lungs and all the respiratory system. So, we know that the uh, viruses from the coronavirus family are mainly passed through um, exchange of these aerosol particles, so the particles that we uh, pass through, you know, our breathing and uh, sneezing and coughing. And that is why we try to prevent the main channel of uh, contagion, which is, of course, you know, coughing or sneezing. Yeah. Um, obviously, for what we know uh, today, wearing masks is the most effective way to prevent uh, transmission of COVID. Um, the pass- passage through other forms of, uh, um, you know, uh, entryways like... like- the the mucosa you know it is possible it's just uh, has not been uh, proved as effective as the way through you know breathing and coughing. For example uh, there has been uh, evidence um, showing that uh, uh, the COVID virus is present in the uh, feces of uh, individuals that have been been affected Uh, you know even later than the uh, swab test turns negative Mm -hmm. or it is possible that the virus remains in the intestinal mucosa longer than in the respiratory mucosa so for example uh, it has been hypothesized that even you know passing gas or you know intestinal gas could be a way to to pass that of course you know what is the the answer to that always the mask You know, because you protect yourself and the others, you know, from a way of.
0: Well, you know, not to be uh, ridiculous, but this is just a fact of life. And it's kind of sad. I never understood this ever, anyways, but I can't tell you how many times be in the men's room somewhere, somebody's in the stall. Yeah. You know, it's a men's room. They're not using the urinal. They're in a stall. They come out, they don't even wash their hands. I mean, it just, ne- I never could understand that, but think about, as you say this, I'm thinking about that and then touching things and they touch the doorknob, the door handle, is is there a risk of somebody walks out, they touch the door and then I touch it, is it possible and mm-hmm. then I rub my eye or something?
1: It's difficult to answer no because really the risk is based uh, on the viral load. Mm-hmm. So. How much vital viruses will be on, left on that surface? And we know that the passages through um, aer- aerosol or through coughing is more direct. Sure, that makes sense. About the survival time of the virus on uh, um, objects, on surfaces, you know, there has been a lot of controversy. And um, it really, it's really difficult to estimate the actual risk because, once again, you might have some virus on your hands and you might you know, leave it on some surfaces and some objects, but how much does it survive and how much vital viruses survive? So they, they survive long enough to be passed to another person that touches that. Once again, what is the answer to that? Prevention. I've seen, and it feels kind of mortifying that, you know, I've seen tutorials about how to wash your hands especially adult population should be thoroughly educated about how to wash your hands. Right. And unfortunately even if this is one of the most basic procedures to you know protect your own hygiene and health and others hygiene and health apparently not everybody <laughs> knew how to do it properly. Right. So Once again we're not we're not facing some uh, sanitary protocols that would require particular equipment or very complicated procedures. We're basically facing a, a situation where life depends on washing your hands and wearing a mask. Right. Uh, we're not putting put on armor or you know going through a series of blood tests every day, every morning when you leave the house it's not that complicated but unfortunately the compliance is still lower than expected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is to me one of the most negative aspects of this pandemic
0: yeah it raises concerns for me and i know a lot of people um and i appreciate you sharing that very much one of the thoughts i i've had going uh, like all along now is the university where i was working um, working with people rehabilitation and so forth in the gym um, they they closed in mid-march like a lot of places did so we just got the reopening email today uh, reopening protocol really didn't de- been debating whether and they know this so i can say this it's not a surprise of whether i want to return although they're going to limit it's a very big facility It's very beautiful, brand new last year. But regardless of that, uh, no offense to any 20-year-olds out there, but the compliance of cleanliness and hygiene were already diminished, more so in the undergrads. And, of course, we have undergrads who are very compliant, but we also have grads who aren't. But The grads tend to be more compliant. So it's just – I don't know if it's a maturity thing. I don't know what it is. But I start to think about people coming in from all over – different areas and what they might bring with them. And I'm typically not paranoid about anything, but this has me concerned as to how, what are the, what's the likelihood in a gym with hundreds, thousands going through it per day, even though they're allowing, you know, reducing the maximum number at any time is still going to be hundreds of people. I don't know what to do. Yes, and yes. I'm not asking for advice from you. It's just it's um, it's a it's a situation it is, that I'm trying to figure out. It's
1: it's a serious concern because um, one step back. The only effective measure against COVID has been proved worldwide so far has been the lockdown, and uh, there are epidemiologic studies that proved how, you know, complete lockdown was able to decrease the numbers, reduce the number of cases in ICU, reduces the number of deaths, reduces the number of people hosp- hospitalized, and, and even the cases that could be managed at home. It sure. works, but it can go on forever. So it is a measure that requires a great deal of sacrifice, both individually and as a community. And uh, it has a very uh, heavy toll to pay in terms of economics. The problem is that in many countries, the lockdown has been implemented efficiently, properly, and uh, the numbers dropped. And now we are observing some sort of uh, like a second waves even if there is really not the second coronavirus is still the same one but the numbers are kind of bouncing back up but the problem is that they're more manageable let's let's consider this when we talk about management it's really what the health system can offer in terms of assistance especially for the most severe cases so the ICU cases at the beginning uh, so in march when uh, this pandemic hit hit, uh, Western countries, starting with Italy and and other European countries and then spread over the United States. Uh, One of the most critical aspects was the fact that uh, the uh, intensive care units were being saturated by the cases, so they couldn't manage not only the the cases with uh, severe COVID-19, but also other patients that had you know, health issues that require intensive care. Mm-hmm. So, when we talk about management, we talk about managing the cases that will be more fragile and mm-hmm. will require more assistance. That now is more doable after the lockdown because the numbers dropped and uh, the hospitals are not overloaded. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the numbers will not go up again to the levels they were you know, before the lockdown, but there is more confidence in managing this condition, just like other infections, other sort of uh, critical conditions. Sure. In other countries, unfortunately, like United States, the lockdown was not as efficient. So the numbers didn't drop down that much. We're now observing an increase a constant increase of cases and luckily we don't observe an a proportionate increase in ICU cases or in in that because the environment is different you know we're now through especially in the northern hemisphere we are through mm-hmm. summer so we don't have a lot of cases that have other comorbidities so sure. conditions that might affect your respiratory system and so on and so this dramatic increase of cases is not matched by dramatic, I mean, there is still an increase in, in deaths, unfortunately, but it's not as dramatic as it was, for example, in the state of New York in April.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So, the mortality rate is not so high. Mm-hmm. So, that is, that is good, of course, but it's not good the fact that the virus is being Going around, it's been spreading so much because of these large numbers. But to go back to the, to the original point, the lockdown hasn't worked because it wasn't implemented long enough. It wasn't done properly, and therefore it didn't drop the numbers like it, like it did in other countries. Now, because of economic reasons, we can't go back into lockdown because the economy has already been uh, affected dramatically. So the ball goes in the field of every individual citizen yeah it can't be now a government decision unless you know we go into even further emergency but it's really a matter of individual responsibility within a crisis of community medicine sure so every citizen must be responsible for himself and the others, and everybody must realize this is a matter of community medicine, of emergency that involves everybody. Unfortunately, people seem to be more responsive if they're affected in first person or indirectly with a member of their family. If they're not, especially, again, younger people, unfortunately, that, again, with all the respect for the younger generations, but they have that feeling of like, being almost invincible, or, or you know, less, uh, yeah. you know, less uh, prone to be affected by the COVID infection, right. and um, which biologically is true because, of course, they're healthier. They do not present comorbidities that there might be more frequent in uh, an individual that is sixty years old or older, but. That doesn't mean that they cannot get COVID. That doesn't mean they cannot be an asymptomatic carrier and spread the virus. Sure. So to to give you you a final answer to your question, I think that it's a matter of spreading the knowledge and the awareness that everybody must do his part. If we don't do... Each of us in our park is not going to work. Right. be concern for the cold season, you know, that is ahead, because I don't think there will be a vaccine available at the beginning of the fall. Right. And if there is no vaccine at the beginning of the fall, I don't know how it's going to be now that the schools will reopen, now that you know uh, the rain will come, and you know other symptoms will occur again. And I I don't know what what we're going to face in two or three months.
0: Yeah, it's a lot to be uh, found out. You know, I'm thinking as you're talking about this, you mentioned the first time we spoke about COVID about responsibility. And I appreciate that you did that because the way that you eloquently stated that uh, and respectfully to all people is this is a community effort it's each person needs to take responsibility and you know I'll admit it I'm I'm bugged when I see somebody who rejects wearing a mask you know and I think of things like well my daughter's pregnant she's due in three months and if you infect her and the baby is harmed and I'll be really upset now hopefully they'll be okay but you know, maybe you are an asymptomatic carrier and you don't want to, and it's your freedom of whatever. But then again, I posted something recently that didn't get any, I didn't get any flack for it. It (laughs) Once in a while I post and I get some flack. I try to be nice though. You know, don't let your uh, your personal, let's see, what has personal rights get in the way of your responsibility to others? Mm -hmm. You know, we are a community. Compassion would be a really nice thing for people to exercise, especially now. People are still cooped up in many places. They're not working. Maybe they don't have somebody to talk with as much because people aren't coming over to visit. They're not getting out. And depression is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. And boy, now is a great time to show compassion and be responsible.
1: Yes, and, and I understand this is a this is a huge change. Nobody was prepared for this, and uh, people perceive this as a failure of the institution, but uh, in reality, this is something that has been a. A long time, uh, people have warned in science about the fact that we were not really ready to uh, face a pandemic from a new uh, pathogen, and uh, this has been the proof. And uh, you know, when uh, when people complain that science didn't do enough, what science did. Generate models, predictive models that show that you know combination of viruses, you know rearrangements of uh, viral genome, you know could have generated a, a new pathogen like these. But you know th- this is not um, sci-fi. This is not yeah right. You know out of the ordinary. This is something that has been predicted by models you know long ago. Sure. The problem is that nothing has been done to implement a, a proper system to, to face this. And it would have not been easy, let's be honest, would have not been easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a possibility, and it was a possibility that, that was mentioned. Unfortunately, nothing was done before, and, and now we're facing the consequences. But I don't mean to, to get into... Politics. I mean, that's definitely not my field. But the problem is that the only answer now is up to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, science is working in the form of, uh, you know, pharmaceutical companies, academic institutes. There has been a huge, huge movement about, you know, supporting research in on COVID. And uh, and there are there are results you know that are already remarkable that are already out there, but other than that, I mean, in the end, it, it's up to us. I think that we became uh, uh, in in the past decades became too dependent on the one pill model. You know, mm-hmm. you problem you take a pill, the problem is over. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have a headache, you take a pill. You have a you know stomachache, you you take a pill. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we lost the uh, concept of uh, life hygiene and uh, how important it is to adjust our life to improve our health and other people's health.
0: You know, it just made me think of something. And if there's anything you don't want to answer that I ask you, just say so. It's okay with me. But I have two things right off the bat. But first of all, I remember that back in the Maybe January, February. Italy was hit very hard before we were. You're from Italy. How are things in Italy right now? How is your family? Is how are things going? And are they okay? Yes, thank you.
1: Uh, thank God they're okay. Um, the the situation in Italy is definitely better, more under control. Um, they're having uh, 150 to 200 new cases per day but uh, just like for the United States, not many is requiring um, ICU. So, okay. uh, it, it, I mean, uh, some of the uh, mechanisms that we discussed for the United States do apply to Italy as well. You know, people, people out are becoming less observant of certain rules Time people go to the beach, people go to some vacation areas. Uh, want to get together after months of lockdown, and uh, um, they are, you know, less uh, strict about applying or following certain rules. But luckily, the numbers dropped low enough that uh, it's easier to to monitor and manage the situation. There are some factors there too, like uh, you know, human aggregation in certain touristic areas, or immigrants coming from northern Africa that are coming with no control, no filters. Therefore, there you know, are cases. Um, so there is still a certain discrepancy between the north and the south. See here in the United States, geographic distribution has has switched. You know, before it was the northeast area. And now yeah. it's more than southern states. In um, yeah. Italy, it stayed pretty much the same. You know, the northern regions uh, are still the ones that are more affected, uh, with the exclusion of certain isolated areas that sometimes uh, burst out in some some regions because maybe you have a boat full of immigrants coming to southern region, there are twenty new cases. You know, of course they are recorded under that particular region. But the key difference is that the numbers did drop. So they went down, like uh, I think today, they have no more than 40 or 42 cases over on the whole country in ICU.
0: Wow, so I, I'm very sorry, I'm interrupting for one second, but didn't they also have more of a strict lockdown for a while in Italy than yes. we ever had here? Yes. And do you think that helped? That must have helped. Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. It, was, it was very different. Um, you needed a, a self-certification to leave your house. There was police on the street that was stopping everybody to check their self-certification. Um, the, the rules were much, much stricter. Okay. Um, you know, it was not possible to gather under any circumstance. And, uh, uh, you know, even the um, allowance to uh, grocery stores or other, whatever type of stores stayed open was way more limited uh, you could see you know long lines with people six feet away because only a certain number of people you know was allowed. right sure. i mean it, it was stricter it was uh, a way more robust effort from the government to um, monitor the, the, the situation
0: think, yeah it seems like that they had positive results there that we haven't seen the same type of results. I think in in China that was the case too. In various areas, complete lockdown. You know, yes. one person in an airport. You know, probably a security person or whatever. But that, and it seems like their numbers are down too. I don't know for sure. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Though. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Uh, the, the the situation in China, of course, is always. I mean, we have to start with the premise that. Either we, we, we trust their numbers or we don't.
0: Exactly. Yeah. If, sure. we,
1: if we trust their number, it's done. But even for more um, trustworthy sources, we can easily compare that. Like uh, Sweden was an example of a country that didn't issue a lockdown at all. And if we compare the numbers in Sweden, in terms of number of positive cases and number of deaths, with the surrounding countries because of course you have to consider you know the environmental context, you have to consider that the political context and you know right. all the factors. Um, Sweden has a mortality rate that is from seven to ten times higher than the surrounding countries, like Norway, Finland uh, and Dan- Denmark. Denmark is seven times so it's closer, but just because Denmark is connected to the continent, to sure. the, uh, Sweden, Finland, and Norway are more isolated because they understand the Peninsula. Yeah. So really that was a proof that not issuing a lockdown was a mistake yeah. and uh, it's not a coincidence that countries in, in Europe that either started late or issued a, a softer lockdown, like uh, uh, United Kingdom or Spain or, or Sweden, they are the ones on top of, of, you know, standings, if you want to call it that, but on top of the list for number of cases and number of deaths. So uh, that, that is something that, and again, I'm not talking about politics, you know, it's always difficult to take certain decisions. There are a lot of factors. Okay. Um, I'm just saying that uh, by looking at, uh, you know, uh, the, the results after a decent amount of time now, we can start making some comparisons. And uh, we can say that uh, uh, hard lockdown uh, paid off more in terms of dropping the numbers of cases.
0: You just said what I was thinking. I don't need to say it now. It just seems like lockdown is the answer to have better, uh, more favorable results.
1: The problem, and again, I'm not talking about economics because I'm not an expert, but the problem, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be a feasible option now, again, unless a very severe, you know, even more severe crisis is in place, because the economy has already been hurt badly. Yes. If we go back into lockdown, probably a stricter one, you know, the consequences will be even more deleterious.
0: Yeah.
1: The problem was that the lockdown must have been issued in a different, you know, stricter way before and probably being kept longer because it was lifted too early. You know, the United States had already numbers that were higher than most of the other countries and they didn't show a clear decreasing trend when the lockdown was lifted. It was lifted anyway, and again, I don't wanna discuss the parameters because they're way above my head, but once you lifted, even with all the recommendations, it's a recommendation. It's not it's not a law. Right. In Italy, if you were um you know stopped and you were not wearing a mask or you didn't have your self-certification, you were receiving a fee mm-hmm. it was you know, quite quite expensive. Sure. In the United States, I know that some states now have issued something similar, but now we're talking again, six months
0: Yeah. this problem. It's pretty far into it now. Um well the other thing, of the two things I was thinking, the other thing is, um, and this might be the one, I don't know if you want to answer it, but I will ask. You're close to Georgia. My son happens to work in an ER in, at Emory in Atlanta. And uh, th- that aside, this actually, that actually has nothing to do with it other than he's seeing a lot of COVID lately, especially since Georgia reopened quickly. But my actual thought here that I'm concerned about um or thinking about is school has started there to my understanding yesterday I think. Uh, no masks are required from my what I understand. How do you feel about that? What do you do you predict anything happening in Georgia? I mean I can't help thinking there would be not to answer the question I just asked you, I just can't help thinking there'd be a surge, a spike in cases, ERs get filled up, schools close again. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, it's a situation once again because schools have to reopen, and then the reason for that is that the online system um, didn't work to the extension that was expected. Sure. Uh, only in the state of South Carolina, uh, over 10,000 students between elementary, middle, and high school went ghost. So they didn't connect through the lockdown and uh, they. they they passed a year by default, basically, but mm-hmm. they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That cannot be allowed, of course. Yeah. So, uh, schools have to be open. Um, are schools uh, prepared uh, or, or ready to manage social distancing? No. You can't have uh, you know a classroom of 20 people and 20 kids and put them, you know, six feet away from each other.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so there, there have been considered s- several options, like alternative days, you know, part online and part in person. And I'm sure that, that there will be some adjustments through the year. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that um, we need to learn to coexist with the virus. Yeah. Because the premise is that if you're not on lockdown and uh, parents are going back to work, what's going to happen to the kids? Mm Those are like real-life questions that, of course, can't rely on uh, epidemiological studies on how the virus is doing in Japan or in Sweden. So you got to think about your everyday life. And uh, so the answer, once again, is that Everybody must be responsible. So,
0: exactly. yep. if not
1: required. Never mind. You're going to wear them anyway. Yeah. Social distancing cannot be granted. Never mind. You still don't touch your classmates.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. It's going to be an interesting few months ahead and more than that, but I'm, uh, you know looking at the next let's see so we start a uh, public school starts here in one month it's usually the wednesday after labor day typically in new york state some some places start tuesday but it's early september uh college where where i was working which you know i really don't want to have to go back there and my responsibility being responsible for me would be to stay away. Otherwise I'm going to hate my job. And that's not a service to anybody. I don't want to hate going, hates the strong word. I don't want to dread going into work because of all the protocol to follow and all that. But so that would be me being responsible, but for the others who are going there, it just seems like with colleges, public schools starting up, it's going to be an interesting fall season coming up for us. That's and amazing. I hope it doesn't, Get too out of hand. I guess will maybe you and I might have to yeah, talk yes. in like November <laughs> or October. Yeah, uh, let's,
1: let's hope with good news. I mean, yeah, hopefully I, so. Yeah, I don't, don't want to sound like someone that is trying to spread pessimism. I, I want to spread awareness, which is different.
0: No, and that's what I. One of the things I love about mm-hmm. talking with you is you approach from. Uh, and I'm interrupting. I'm sorry, but yeah, I just yeah. want to say I appreciate you being realistic about things. And we have similar missions, you know, and mine with the education I do for Parkinson's, it's just about awareness, education, and being mindful of what are the best things we can do to protect ourselves and others.
1: You know, it's like you're walking in the jungle, you know, with a group of people, and you hear a roar on your right and say, my gosh, there could be a lion or a tiger, you know? And the response being away from the light, from making or you're just being pessimistic i mean i'm not being pessimistic i'm trying to raise awareness you know
0: yes. that's the a goal great is analogy to be, too. you know great the analogy. goal is not to
1: be eaten by the by the lion the goal yes. is prevent that yeah but to prevent that if i feel that there is a risk of being attacked i need to share that that awareness i need to share that feeling maybe we should you know take countermeasures so everybody grab the rifle move away from the the bushes on the right you know try to instead of saying no you're being pessimistic you know it's gonna be fine I, i got to say you know i i don't like to talk bad about you know my my own country or it's not the whole country but some people but uh when this started in italy People were using an hashtag like uh, that. Translated, is like everything is gonna be fine. I I didn't like that. I got to be honest, and I say that you know full hearted because I love, of course, my country fellow Italians. You know,
0: I love Italy too, and I love the people.
1: (laughs) And (laughs) and and I and I like you know I like you know giving a positive message. Sure. But the unjustified optimism that was implied and that everything is going to be fine i don't think it was supported by by reality how can you say everything is going to be fine to a kid that just lost his grandfather because that's something you cannot reverse so it's not fine you know a member of your family is gone forever yeah so that that's not fine (laughs) you know it's it's a status that you cannot change So everything is going to be fine if uh, you have uh, one semester in your commercial activity and uh, you are, you know, below the parity, you know, below zero, you're losing some money for that semester. say, Okay, it's going to be fine. We have some savings. You know, we're going to bounce back. You can use that. Nobody, you know, but when people are dying, you can't say everything is going to be fine so that's the kind of uh, sentiment that that i have talking about the risks talking about the consequences talking about the negative trends it's not because i or other scientists enjoy things going bad it's because we want to prevent things from going bad or going sure. evil. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that sort of uh, awareness is the key. We need to educate people about risk and about what is so far, so far, the countermeasure that can work. Mm -hmm. We will have countermeasures even more effective, but we have to work with what we have.
0: Yeah, so your lion in the bushes analogy is actually perfect. I love that because it just couldn't be. I don't think it could be analyzed any better or compared any better. Now, I know um you actually you shouldn't talk politics. This is not, but I can. This is my show, so you can just sit there and not say a word. Don't shake your head. Don't agree because you shouldn't. But we have a certain president here in this country. Everything's going to be fine. We've done all we can do. Really. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if we can. I suspect we probably haven't. And again, you don't see anything, but when I look at it, there are other leaders too, though, who are um, have done a lot, really taken a proactive stance and the states have done fairly well. And then there are the other ones who, everything's gonna be fine. And now the people are in hospitals after reopening. So yeah,
1: I I take that, you know, with the the medical standpoint. Mm -hmm. Sure. Again, I don't want to talk politics, but the
0: specialists
1: have provided an almost uniform series of guidelines. They were almost all aligned. There were people that were, you know, going in different directions. Sure. I don't know if it was for political interest, economical interest. I don't know. I don't want to know. But, the evidence-based guidelines, that's the key. Yeah, thank you. Evidence-based guidelines, we're all going in a certain direction. Now, that's the job that is required from scientists to look at the facts, discover, investigate, analyze, and come out with solutions. Then it comes to the politicians to apply those solutions or not. You can embrace them or you can reject them. That's politics, that's not medicine, that's not science. So I can speak for the scientific part of the story and I can tell the guidelines were pretty clear. And they were all going in one direction. There were some adjustments, you know, like at some point the World Health Organization said, you don't need two negative swabs, you know, two negative tests to go back to work as long as you don't have any symptoms because that was hampering, you know, the, the amount of people back to work because the tests were not turning negative after a long time. So, say, if you don't have symptoms, if you, you know, observe, you know, the, the, the rules, wearing masks, avoiding contact and all, all that, you can go back to work. That was an adjustment from what they originally stated. But again, it was an evidence-based adjustment. The fact that people could stay positive at the swab test even after the uh, symptoms were gone away. Yeah. But I, I stopped there and say guidelines were proposed. Locally at the level of the United States and internationally, some politicians decided to embrace, to accept, to apply those guidelines, some politicians decide to leave the World Health Organization. So,
0: Yeah. You know. Well, uh, I understand. I understand what you're saying. And actually the way you said that is beautiful. It's very, very simple actually. I mean, the evidence-based guidelines are pretty much they are what they are. They're pretty much uniform straight across the board. People are going to choose to conform to them or ignore them, and both both are happening, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, politicizing things is uh, seems to be happening. But again, I don't want to get into politics too. But I, I just want to answer. say these about that that you know is is political,
1: and. I apologize if anybody gets offended. I'm just, you know, there's a personal opinion, so you may agree. If you step away from the community table, everybody loses. The reason why there are worldwide organizations, like the United Nations, the World Health Organizations, and, and so on, is to generate common strategies for common problems. Sure. If you disagree, make it clear. But if you step away, everybody loses.
0: You know, uh, I'm really glad you said that because I think on some level, I feel like I knew that, but you just put it in a way where it really makes a lot of sense. The WHO, the, uh, these organizations worldwide, that is what they're doing. And they've been doing it for years and years and years. And so I don't know enough to say anything other than that. I don't know how we could ignore those, but I know some people want to ignore them or you know, not associate with certain ones, which makes no sense to me. It seems like we should be learning together. Let me, let me
1: say this. The system is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Not saying that uh, WHO is always right not saying that there are no economical interests, you know behind certain decisions sure but if you want to change it you can only change it from the inside
0: yeah if yeah.
1: you step away then it's already a failure
0: yeah then i you know you're always so generous with your time and your knowledge this is just uh, to me i i learned a lot talking with you I always do but this past few minutes really shed a new light on how I see things which I really appreciate thank you Um, so if we were to sum everything up we could say that we're in for a lot of unknown right now can speculate probably some type of spike Um, wearing a mask hygiene is very important um, wash the hands. Be respectful. Be part of the community, and take responsibility for others, right, and yourself. Do you see uh, if if that's it's if that's the best strategy? It certainly makes sense to me. Do you see anything that additional measures that might need to be taken? And then uh, this is a two-part question might there be mutations of this at some point where COVID something okay. else as brothers and sisters of COVID-19 show up and then you know who knows right they could be worse or they could be better I don't know but any any thoughts on, on that? Well Not to be pessimistic but it's a reality no, no, right it could happen
1: It's already, it's already mutating um, so there are Subtypes already. Uh, and it's logical, you know, with such a, a vast distribution, imagine, you know, all the, the basin of, you know, individuals that can share the virus and the virus can recombinate and, and change. Um, it, it's hard to tell what's going to happen. I hope that the vaccine will come before a new strain will. will Will rise. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, the vaccine uh, will have to, to adjust. Again, you know, it's always a matter of uh, uh, cause and effect, you know, action and counteraction. Uh, I think that uh, we are now learning uh, to live uh, in, a, in a different world where there is more attention for the, the personal and the community health. And uh, in some way it's um, I know it might be a provocative comparison, but in some way, this is what uh, uh, AIDS did to uh, uh, promiscuous uh, sex you know in the '80s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was, it was right. something that uh, was a dramatic impact sure um, but really changed the 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 concept of uh, of sexual interaction, and uh, yeah. not because there were no sexually transmitted disease before, you know the uh, HIV virus, but uh, definitely uh, it it raised the level of awareness and uh, it implemented a, a series of precautions uh, that uh, that nowadays became become you know have become part of our normal life.
0: You know, what's interesting is um, my wife, we lived in Chicago when AIDS was first a thing. We were newly married. She was. Uh, she's an RN. She was working at a Rush St. Rush Luke's Presbyterian Hospital on North Lakeshore, north side of Chicago, far north near Evanston. And uh, because she was the only nurse with no children, she was the one elected to basically uh, get in a sp- kind of like a space suit, like an astronaut would wear, and go into a, a place where the person with HIV had a bubble because they didn't know if it was an airborne also type of thing. And, wow, look at the changes even a few years after, a couple years after that, and, and then now how what we know about it. So it, we remember that very well because there was such a, a, a panic about that, rightly so, of course. But it's funny. I hadn't gone back recently. I have thought about it during this pandemic, but not in a couple of months. But yeah, that that was a big learning curve for many years. Probably still is to some degree. But I guess we're in for that with COVID too, probably, huh? I mean, I, learning.
1: I know. I know. We're we're talking about two different levels, but think about you know if people were. Refusing to wear a condom back then because they say, "Oh no, this is limiting my freedom. I have the right to decide what I want, and uh, you know, if I give you AIDS, it's not my problem. Or if I catch AIDS, it's not my problem." So that that would have sounded insane, right? Yeah. And or you know, maybe some people that were extremely selfish, or you know, they didn't realize that, that the risk. They they were saying such things. Nowadays, we're talking about something that is not, you know, as impactful, you know, in everyday life. Uh, It's just wearing a mask. But people are still complaining about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that, uh, I'm not saying that eventually, you know, in a hundred years, we're going to walk around like uh, your wife was in that unit, you know, sort of protect ourselves from everything. Hopefully not. But we need to be aware that risks are out there. Like I said, there, was, there were STDs before AIDS. There was this airborne, there was you know, a series of airborne pathogens before the, the COVID-19. These things happen. Right. So we need to be more aware that we have responsibility as citizens. I, I, I like to talk about the concept of citizens because we're part of a community. If you don't agree with certain rules, you can't just ignore them because you're provided with services as a member of a community. You can't ignore that. You know, we we talked the other time, uh, you know, about uh, you can't say, oh, pull off a soldier from the army because I don't want to be protected. You know, it it doesn't make sense. Or don't put asphalt on this part of the road, the, the, the highway, because I don't want to pay for that you can't do that you know there are some uh, you know uh immutable uh things that uh they're inevitable like you're part of a community you receive certain services mm-hmm. but you're also called to respect certain rules mm-hmm. so you can't have one without the other right so I'm saying citizens you know I'm not individual because individuals tend to highlight the the isolated person you know single mm-hmm. by his own and uh, citizen means you're part of a community and uh, you have to be aware of what is your place in that community
0: yeah I'll tell you um it's it's really interesting I really appreciate your your time here um I didn't say this in the beginning but i'll ask you now if you don't mind do you have any uh you pretty much i think just told us everything that could possibly be known at this point but is there anything additional before we before we finish that you want to say any words of wisdom if you could sum it up in one this short statement insane.
1: yes yes and appreciate the opportunity this is something i always tell in our families of patients when it comes to um genetic disorders, or any sort of medical condition. You have all the right to go and inform yourself and educate yourself. Uh, Search the internet, you know, talk with friends and family, you know, read uh, papers. The key is that you have to check the sources. That's crucial. When it comes to this level of information, for people that do not have the background, you know, you can't take a degree in medicine and then open, you know, turn on your internet and go and search. You know? So yeah. Yeah. if you don't have the background to filter that information, check the sources, mm-hmm. peer reviewed paper, professionals, um, like nationwide or international institutions, you know, something that. They can't afford to spread, you know, news that have not been validated and checked. So do that and uh, try to set aside the idea that everything is a conspiracy, that, uh, you know, there are uh, financial interest in selling the masks or developing the vaccine. I mean, we're all on the same boat here.
0: Yeah, I okay. hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, sure but there are those who are,
1: though. Well, there are people that believe that, you know, there is this is all a hoax that was generated to sell the vaccine or something like that. So it's just check the sources. That's the key. Go out there, inform yourself, educate yourself, find answers to your questions, but look where that answer is coming from.
0: Perfect. Well, you've certainly been a great, are have been and are a great source of information. I I really learned a lot today, Luigi. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, if I, you don't I, mind it, after yeah. I end this, if you don't mind, just hang on with me for a minute. Yeah, but I'll sure, um sure. I'll close out here. Uh, yeah, that was very informative. I feel like kind of have a little bit different perspective of things now. It's kind of like you know, I call it the forty thousand foot view. Sometimes I get down too close and I only see certain things, but if I back it out, like I'm in a plane and I can look at the earth from above, I always see different things and I think different in the sky, in the air, but this gave me a different perspective, um, which I appreciate, so thank you. And I hope, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this too. Um, A lot of great information. I think that I, um, the, the thing that I really, really, implore people to do is think about the people who are you who are important to you. Uh so many examples given in the past hour. Think about the people who are important to you and a responsibility. What responsibility or what can you do as a responsible person to protect those people and other people too okay everybody and yourself. Wear your mask and wash your hands. Just do it do what you're told to do. <laughs> so, yes. yes. Thank you, Luigi. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. All right, my friend. And, you know, we'll talk about, uh, down the road again. We'll talk about something. But uh, maybe this again, too, after we learn more. Thank yeah, you yeah. very much, all my friend. All Thanks, all to everybody, you. for watching. Have a fantastic day. See you again soon.